live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy-Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy-Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Woohoo! Welcome to Parent Nation. Hey, Kelly. Hi, how are you? How was your Mother's Day? It was awesome. How about you? Mine was awesome also. Happy Mother's Day. I have a Thank big you. fat groundhog staring at me. And every time I start to talk, he looks up. I think he can hear me through my window. <laughs> so adorable. I just love Aww. this time of year where I live. It's so great. Although it's hot as but as my, well, you know, my boys use other terminology. Why do, why do boys use such gross terminology? I don't know. Because they're boys. It's true. And I, you Part know what? The, I, occur, yeah. I encourage it, too. Because I, I get right in it with them. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's oh, fun. It is fun. It is fun. Oh, my gosh. So what did you do for Mother's Day? Anything special? We all went to my mother's house. And I uh, had dinner. We made fajitas. 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 Yes. And we just hang around and drink wine and beer and shoot the poop. That sounds like Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're about one and the same. It's at a different house. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, it's um, uh, my mom... Uh, passed away in 2006, and one mm. of her favorite places to go was this local amusement park called Knobles Amusement Park. And mm-hmm. it's it's one of those places where you don't pay to get in. You pay tickets or whatever to go on the ride still. Okay. And uh, it's just really shaded, and they have great local food, and, like, they win awards mm. for their food and stuff like that. And wow. uh, I know I sound like I'm doing an endorsement, but they're not even a sponsor. Hint, hint, Kenobles. You need to get Kenobles. them on the phone and get them sponsoring us. Right? No kidding. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> every year for Mother's Day, ever since she passed away, that's what we do. Me and my sister and my kids and my hubby go to Knobles for the day. Aww. Yeah, I love that. And I, I did see some pictures on Facebook, so that was did great. Did you? Yeah, they're, they're adorable. They do this thing uh-huh. where, like, you can uh, the moms can go up. They have a truck and they make these they make these little silk flower corsages for the moms. Uh-huh. And if your kid brings mm. you up to the truck, you get a corsage for free that you can wear for the day. But they use those old fashioned hat pins, so you're on a roller coaster and you get jammed in the face with a hat pin every once in a while. That takes a, <laughs> that takes a little bit of the love Ooh. away, but. You know, hey, it reminds you of labor and and all that blood work and stuff. So, <laughs> happy Mother's Day! Happy Mother's Day! Here's a jab to that face. You know, mm, remember this. <laughs> you should put it in your put it sticky in the butt. Then it would remind you of all those shots you had to get to stop throwing up. Or maybe that was just me. Uh-huh. Uh, so funny. anyway, that, yeah, that amusement park. 
sounds like a place I would love because I just kind of, I love to go and walk around and hold people's stuff when they go on the ride and just people watch and eat the food. So that's my kind of place. Kelly, you and I would have a blast at amusement parks together. <laughs> yeah. Because that's my favorite thing to do. Chris, my husband makes fun of me. He's like, you know, oh, well, one roller coaster and you're you're done. You know, you're worthless mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. Sure. And I was like, but that's all I want to do, though. And it's my day. Right. So I get to decide, damn it. Right. And yeah, so it was good. I went on the roller coaster and I went on this thing that takes you up like four billion feet in the air and then drops you. Ooh. And I said bad words. Mm-hmm. And the attendant looked at me like, really, lady? It's Mother's Day, you know? You're Could right. you not curse like, in front of the right. children? That's right, it's Mother's Day. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> Do you understand? They just dropped me. <laughs> <laughs> I can say whatever I want. Oh, it was good times, good times. So, yeah. And then the day after, you know, it's so so Mother's Day is, like, not relaxing at all. No. And then... <laughs> and then I'm like, you know, normally, normally the routine is the Monday after Mother's Day, like everybody goes to work and school and that's my day to just veg. That's my real oh, Mother's okay. Day, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, not this but year. No. But no, this year I chaperoned my little teen's uh, hep trip. He's in the, mm-hmm. the, he's in one of those gifted classes and, yeah. uh, they went to, they had a trip to New York city and, mm. uh, and I chaperoned that and we went on a speed boat. Ooh. <sighs> yeah. It was awesome. How fun. Yeah. I did the see Statue pictures of, of that too. You guys had a blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like that in the pictures, doesn't it? No, I'm only kidding. We really <laughs> did have a good time. We really did. You know, I'm one of those weird people who loves to be around kids, you mm-hmm. know, maybe well, because I am one right deep down, perhaps. Do the kids, do the kids love when you come? I bet they, they do. They do. They do. And I have so many people in Parent Nation who will write to me and say, like, my kid would disown me. Like, if I even <laughs> threatened to chaperone a trip, they would refuse to attend. Right. They get to that certain age where they're like, uh-uh, not anymore, mom. Right. Well, some parents are just not fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's face it. There are right. some parents that I'm like, oh, crap, seriously, they're coming? I know. Me too. <sighs> Whatever. I go like... on every trip too, just like you do. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you the fun mom? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and you can be fun and still like uphold the rules. Oh sure, they. I think they they want to please you and uphold the rules more if you are a fun mom. Exactly. Like I and I am. I'm I'm four ten. So a lot of times, <laughs> other chaperones, like I'll be with my group and we'll always be the group that's just right on the edge of not doing what we're supposed to be doing, right? right. And and I'll always, every single time, I always have that one chaperone that comes up to my group and says, excuse me, where is your chaperone? Your chaperone. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, I'm right here. I'm down here, ma'am. <laughs> Oh, chaperone shaming. <laughs> chaperone shaming. <gasps> it's a new term. Chaperone <laughs> shaming. 
That's so awesome. And oh my gosh, here's the other thing. Parent Nation, <laughs> if you're sending your kids on a trip, I don't care if you have to like borrow from family or what, but give your kids some money to eat because like yesterday we went to um, – we went on the Intrepid, which is like a, a boat, like a um, aircraft carrier in, in New uh-huh. York. And the, the person who set up the trip called a week in advance to make sure two things were open because two things are vital on a trip, the gift shop and the food area. Right. Those two things are vital on a school trip. Do you know that when we got there, neither of those things were open? Mm. Oh, no. Right? I know. So now we have two hours for lunch because you don't need the hour in the gift shop. So we have two hours for lunch and there's no, there's no food service in the museum. So the, the tour guide says to us, well, you guys can go, there's food trucks outside the bus. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay. So we go out. Do you know how expensive it is to eat at a food truck in New York city? I can imagine, but I don't really know. Sure. So a $9 hamburger is expensive, but that's what you can expect in a museum type environment, right? These burgers okay. were $14. Ah, at the truck? Yeah, $14 um, cheeseburgers, you know, $20 Rubens. And I'm standing there going, how are these poor kids going to eat? You know, what are they, they going to do? Five bucks. Right. You know, I, I'm thinking you you have to pay attention to where you're sending your kid. If you're from, you know, Bumbletown, Pennsylvania, where you can get a hot dog for a dollar at your local, you know, ice cream shop, Costco. you can expect to spend seven dollars in New York for the same hot dog. Dirty water dog in New York. Ew. Right. Ew. It's true. So. You know, I, you, you have to, you have to plan ahead and you have to make sure that your kids have enough money to eat, um, sure. or pack their lunch for them. You know, a lot of parents didn't pack lunch for the kids, but so that was kind of interesting. I was, I was sort of peeved about that. And then it seemed like everything that we wanted to do was so overpriced. Do you know that these two, two boys that were with us in the group wanted to ride on those, um, those uh, simulator things. And that's like $9 a person per ticket to ride on the simulators. And by the time they got to the simulator, they didn't have time to ride it and they refused to give them their money back. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. You know, hmm. that it all goes back to the problem with kids as parents. <laughs> that is so you know, true. It's so true. It's like, you know, we expect kids to just know this stuff and then we take them for a ride and then we want to know why they're angry. You know, those, mm. that kid didn't have $9 to just give you. And when he told you when he got in line that he only had 20 minutes, you've worked that ride long enough to know that it was going to take longer than 20 minutes, you asshole. Don't take the kid's <laughs> money and then go, oh, well, sorry, kid. You know, but right. thanks. Thanks for the tip. You know, so so because we were with geniuses, they figured out that if you um, there's consoles <laughs> there that you can play this game. And if you play the game a certain way, if you do a certain thing, there's like a um, I forget what they call it. It's, we call them cheaters. They call them something else now. Easter eggs or whatever in the game that crashes the game. So the kids, because they didn't get to ride the simulator, they crashed the game. <laughs> 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 I'm like, ha, geeks rule, jerk. 
Oh, that's too much. I know. I love having I love having a geek son. These kids, they were so polite. <laughs> Let me tell you what. All the crap that's going on on buses lately. Oh, yeah. We had one here local. Oh, my gosh. Kelly, let me tell you, the kids on that bus, angels, total angels. They were darlings. They were, you know, until we were almost home and the movie had ended and they had been out all day and they were sunburnt and stinky and tired. And then they started getting a little bit loud, but nothing like what was on the school bus in your area. Mm. I mean, yeah. holy smackinoli. But here's the thing, Kelly. I've got to tell you, I don't know how you feel about that. And I know that if that was my kid on that bus, I might be looking at it a little bit differently, but I doubt it. Because here's Mm -hmm. the thing. I realize that one person is in charge of 50 kids, driving them, getting them safely to their destination and back to me again. He had to have control of that bus. Parent Nation, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the video of the bus driver who pulled the bus over at the bus stop. He didn't pull him off on the highway. He didn't pull him off in the middle of the road. He was at a bus stop, but he wouldn't open the door until the kids calmed down and the kids refused to calm down. They were jumping around that bus like they were from the Planet of the Apes. Kids were yep. insane on that bus. And I believe that that bus driver had every right to control that situation and not let those kids off that bus until they sat their asses down and shut up. What do you think? Well, I can see both sides of it. Um, if I was a bus driver, I'd want them off my bus as soon as possible. So I'd just let them off, maybe. But I could be so mad that I would make them sit. But to me, what is that going to do? It's going to show them that you're not going to tolerate that. Mm-hmm. And that mommy and daddy aren't going to get you out of behaving like an animal on my bus when I'm responsible for 50 kids. Right. I think they need extra people on that bus, extra adults. Or one adult I'm not on that authority. Bus, all buses. But I do know that it's a, a cost restraint. They don't have the money to be hiring one or two extra adults, one to sit in the back, one to sit in the middle, and the driver. But do you have money for a lawsuit? Because that's what you got now. Yeah, I know. It, I hear you. To me, I think. I think the parents. I think the parents failed in that situation because they incited that more. They escalated that situation with their children even more by banging on the windows and banging on the door and demanding their kids back. What those parents Mm -hmm. should have done was presented a united front outside that bus, looking in the window saying, you better sit down and listen to that man so you can get off the bus. Those parents failed. And I think that is the epidemic with kids today. Parent, failure. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't you tell my babies what to do. Don't you treat my baby like that. My baby doesn't do anything wrong. Yes, they did. Look, watch the video. The one little kid was crying for her daddy. And two of the older kids who should have been setting an example were calling her a retard. Oh, no. Really? You know, they were making it worse. Those kids were making it worse, and the parents were making it worse by allowing it. And, ugh, made me sick. I'm so mad. And now, and then you have that, and then you have 
a, a personal friend of mine, Jen Jolliker, she has a, a company that um, she has goddesses. She owns a direct sales company. And one of her goddesses, her sales representatives, sons was attacked on the bus because of his love of theater (sighs) choked and punched and kicked on the bus because Mm -hmm. of his love of theater now here's the thing kelly when the bus driver has no authority to stop that when the kids know that the bus driver can't do anything but drive that bus the kids know that they will get away with that kind of behavior right that's when things like that happen. You, we had we had a bus driver. We had a situation on our local buses where there was one kid who was a complete and total bully, and he was picking on the smaller kids, and the bus driver had no authority, right? So the parents were hearing about it from their kids. We started getting on the bus at our kids' bus stops and addressing the kids. Mm-hmm. Just making sure that nobody's starting anything here. And then the next thing you know, they got a different bus driver, who will allow no talking, zero. You sit in your seat, you don't say a word. If you speak too loudly, he will pull the bus over wherever he is and he will come back and he will address you directly. He's put his hands on kids before and you know what? I don't have a problem with it. Hmm. Because it's I that think the repeat offend- Yeah, I think the repeat offenders should be kicked off the bus and have their parents have to bring them to school. Absolutely. You, or that not even repeat. Pretty quick. If they have a... You know, if they do one thing that's, you know, super bad, kick them off the bus. I agree. Let the parents bring them to school. I think it's time. And, you know, people say, oh, well, kids are under so much more pressure these days. They use the bus as a release and they use the bus to get out their tension and they, you know, they want to be able to talk and blah, blah, blah. Uh, No. No, I don't agree with that. Here's the thing. Take the commuter bus to New York sometime at 7 o'clock in the morning. You talk too loudly, you're going to have 30 people standing up and telling you in your face to shut up because they're trying to sleep. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't get it's any different minutes. when you're an adult. It's 20 minutes. They can keep themselves calm for 20 minutes. Right, and talk quietly to the person next to you or take mm-hmm. a nap. <laughs> Which is kind of ironic because our first guest, Dr. Uh, John <laughs> Schuen, is going to be talking to us about how our kids are sleep deprived and how it's causing all kinds of problems. So hopefully he's going to be able to tell us. Right. Hmm? It's because they're not sleeping on the bus. Exactly. They need to sleep on the bus. And we'll talk to Dr. John when we come back. Cocktail break, and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. Join us for Healing with the Marika Method. This is an amazingly informative show to help heal people as well as their horses, dogs, and cats. 
This show inspires and empowers people to take charge of their own health and their animals' health using the power of diet, nutrition, natural medicines, and lifestyle to heal a variety of health problems. Learn how food impacts all physical and emotional health conditions and how diet and natural medicines are used to heal the body, mind, and spirit. Marika is a health and nutrition specialist, homeopathic practitioner, a gifted medical intuitive and healer, and an author and educator with over two decades of experience in clinical practice for people and their pets. Join our host, Marika Vandewater, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. <laughs> Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am super duper excited to have our first guest on, Dr. John Schuen, um, mostly because he is the uh, director of pediatric pulmonology at uh, Children's Hospital in Grand Rapids, Michigan. But he also does so much work with how the decline in quality sleep and um good sleep, duration of sleep, is to blame for a lot of the trouble that our kids are facing today. And, you know, I I so believe that. One of the things that I notice having a child on the autism spectrum, and um, he has a lot of ADHD type symptoms, is it's so, it's always been so hard to get him to sleep. And when he has good sleep for a long period of time, like during summer vacation, he is mm-hmm. so much more relaxed and compliant. And I, I hate to use the word compliant, but those of you who have kids on the autism spectrum know that I don't mean that in a controlling, malicious way. Compliance is huge. Um, and he's so much more calm and receptive to all kinds of things. And then during the school year when he's got homework and he's got practices and all this other stuff that keeps him up later at night and gets him up earlier in the morning – it's really hard. I mean, we start to notice, especially in the winter time and towards the end of the year, it's 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 downhill, man. It's it's bad. It gets really ugly, and sometimes it can get to the point where it's, it gets violent. And I see the violence in kids today, and the attention that um, is being given to their sleep and their rest and their low stress levels is just not even near where it should be. So, Dr. John, hi, welcome to the show. Well, good morning. It's great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. I am. So you deal with this stuff all the time. Do you notice a difference? I mean, the rate that our kids are being diagnosed with ADHD and autism spectrum disorders is increasing by the year. Are are you noticing a correlation at all? Well, uh, well, we know uh, a lot of things. So I've been doing this for over 20 years now. So so it's I've seen a very interesting trend emerge over that period of of my practice life and what I've seen is that uh, kids are more sleep deprived uh, than ever and that's coming at a significant cost uh, to, uh academically to uh, their general well-being during the day. 
uh, and we know that kids who are sleep deprived for whatever reason, whether it's because they're too busy or it's because they're up all night texting their uh, their friends and neighbors, that uh, they're not going to be as functional during the day, and they may actually uh, put on some significant amount of weight. And so we we know that it's. It's not a surprise that the epidemic of obesity is paralleling to some degree uh, the 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 worsening uh, issues we have with sleep in in this population. You know, it's kind of funny because I was just on um, I was on the Dr. Oz show. It's it hasn't oh. aired yet um, a week ago, and one of the things that we talked about was how um, weight loss is directly correlated with sleep. And relaxation. And so if that really makes a ton of sense to me, that if our kids aren't getting enough sleep, one of the underlying issues would be obesity. Yes. Yes. When you're sleep deprived, you actually produce less of the good hormone called leptin that Mm. helps you to stop eating. And you actually produce more of the hormone called ghrelin, which makes you makes your appetite ramp up so so sleep deprivation really does affect appetites and we actually know some pretty detailed physiology behind that which we didn't appreciate 10 15 20 years ago so then let me ask you this i was now i am i have been diagnosed with add as an adult Mm -hmm. i didn't know i had it as a teenager Mm -hmm. however i recall as a teenager, being up until midnight, one o'clock in the morning, I didn't have a cell phone. I wasn't texting. I wasn't emailing. I wasn't doing any of that. I was simply up. I would stay up and read, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then I would have to get up for school. And I'm not a morning person by any stretch (laughs) of the imagination. Yet I managed to make it through 12 years of schooling, having Mm -hmm. to get up at six o'clock in the morning, so is it really that much different for kids today? Well, the, the, I my sense in in seeing them in our office and then watching the sleep study. So I'm I'm also a board certified sleep medicine physician. So we 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 read a lot of sleep studies on these kids, and I'm amazed at how interrupted their sleep is. Now, could it have been the same when you were uh, a teenager going through high school? It could be, but I, I think we just have more opportunities for distraction now in the 21st century as we did 10, 15, 20 years ago. You know, with the advent of of smartphones, you're never out of reach from somebody, uh, whether it be social media or texting or phoning someone. Uh, but then there are other subtle things that have crept into this. The, the use of tablets, uh, gaming. All those things, if they're used right before bed, can actually awaken you, make it less likely that you're going to fall asleep when you want to. So we see a lot of kids coming in who want to go to sleep at 10 or 10.30, but they can't for for a variety of reasons. And, and some of them can be this newer technology. The, the bright lights in your face actually tell key hormones in your body to say, it's time to wake up. It's time to do things. Let's get going. And you know, it's the same technology that they use in Las Vegas and Atlantic City in the casinos. That's right. Bright lights, neon, blue light, mm-hmm. all, those, all those things uh, in, increase your alertness. 
That's amazing. I can, I literally stayed awake all night long when we were in Las Vegas. We looked at our watches and we were like, oh, crap. It's like seven o'clock in the morning. Our kids are getting on the school bus. <laughs> we, we, we weren't even tired. It was it was amazing. Now, we slept for like a day and a half when we finally did go to bed because we were so exhausted. But yes. A lot of parents don't realize that. And, and it's funny to me because we've talked about it so much. A lot of parents still don't realize that the light that's given off by these screens is it actually stimulates their brain. We had a yep, doctor on true. that was talking about gaming that yes. they, they actually put professional gamers through the same testing that they put stress testing that they put Olympic athletes through. Mm-hmm. And they said that their heart rate and their brain activity was that of an Olympic athlete at peak performance when they were in the middle of their, their games. Yes, there's actually been a number of studies out there that show that very thing is that it's it, it's these these bright lights and gaming uh, act as uh, potent stimulants, which I don't think any of us appreciated uh, back in the 90s. Certainly not when I was playing games like... Pac-Man. Like Pong, <laughs> Pac-Man, <laughs> the uh, the olden, the golden age of uh, gaming. So uh, it's 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 come a long ways. That's pretty funny. And you know, another thing too, I am a very sensitive. I'm an emotionally sensitive person, right? So mm-hmm. if I get a text message or an email or a Facebook comment regardless of what time of the day or night it is, and it affects me emotionally, mm-hmm. I will stew over that and it'll get me going. It'll get me all hyped up. Kids make a game out of this. I mean, it's no joke, but they really do. I mean, they will, they will say things to incite conversation or to get somebody's goat or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. And those kind of emotions are the kinds of things that keep kids up at night. Right, right. And so so many of our parents when the child can't turn the child or teen can't turn technology off, sometimes the parents have had to step in and say, "Look, you know what? We're just going to turn off your phone and uh, and mom and dad will keep it until till, you know, till 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock when they're getting ready for school." Mm-hmm. Um it, but certainly the good news about smartphones is it is it there are some ways to turn off the smartphones uh, from a particular time, you know, like from 11 to 7 or from 10 to 6. And, uh, and that, does, that does give a little bit of protection for the child uh, and teen so that maybe they'll, they'll have less interruptions uh, in the middle of the night. I love that idea. We actually, um, now my 16 year old doesn't honor it as much because he uses the excuse that his phone is his alarm clock. However, he's the kid that when we go in there at 10 o'clock at night, he's usually asleep, but for, right. But for our younger one, um, we have a, we have an agreement that we charge the phones downstairs in the kitchen as a Uh, family. Oh, Um, that's very smart. Yeah. Trying to get dad on board with that one. Uh, it's a a little bit tougher to convince the adult members of the family but you know it's for me personally I have horribly interrupted sleep to begin with so to have that binging and those lights turning on and stuff like that right next to my head oh my god no there's no way I I would not sleep at all 
No, it's like you're on call. I mean, you know, that's that's what things are like when when uh, when doctors and physician assistants and nurse practitioners are taking call in the middle of the night. You know, it's it can really ruin uh, a night's sleep uh, so that you're tired the next day. It's true. And now you say that kids should have, adolescents should have eight to 10 hours of sleep at night. That's huge. It it is. It's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. I don't even see how that's possible. Well, you know, the the average, if you, in looking at the National Science Foundation and the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, they would recommend uh, between eight and a half and nine and a half is probably, or right around nine is, is ideal. But that even seems like a lot of time because we view, our society views our teens as emerging adults and think that because they look like adults, uh, and many of them do, mid-teenage years, that, that, of course, they must be able to get away with six and a half or seven and a half hours of sleep like an adult does, right? Sure. Well, come to, come to find out that, again, research has given us a lot of insight into the developing adolescent. And those mid-adolescents, they need about the same amount of sleep that a nine or a ten-year-old does, which was a shocking revelation for us in the sleep world because – because it's not clearly evident, but but their their sleep clock develops slower than than the rest of their bodies, mm. and that's not necessarily intuitive. So, like their circadian rhythm, you mean? Well, no, just their sleep demands, just their oh, their okay. sleep needs are don't change much through adolescence, even though even though the rest of their body is a lot. Well, okay, so I've read a study recently that said that regardless of what time teens go to bed at night, mm-hmm. they, they are programmed, wired to not function before eight or nine o'clock in the morning. That's, a, that's another true statement. You really have been doing your homework, haven't you? Mm-hmm. I love sleep. It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. So that, that is also true. It's during the teenage years where you start to see natural phase delays, meaning they, if they were larks, you know, meaning they would go to bed early, get up later. The natural tendency in a developing teen is for them to, to stay up later and, and want to sleep in later. And that's irrespective of technology and sports and extracurriculars and clubs that's just if that's just a teen normal teen development in and of itself and so it just makes it harder for them to wake up in the morning and that's why some school systems have actually delayed the start of their high schoolers an hour so some of them won't even start until 8 or 8:30 uh, just because of what we've learned in the world of pediatric sleep that's amazing to me i because it almost makes you think wouldn't it be better to switch the early elementary and kindergarten schedules with the high school schedules and then we could do away with all this ridiculous testing and stuff like that because the kids would simply perform better on their own. Yes, yes. Actually there have been some very elegant studies that have shown exactly that where where the school system uh, starts the the middle schooler and high schoolers uh, start times an hour later and then they flip the 
younger children to lower. And what that resulted in is a significant improvement in in uh, in high school test scores for that school system. That that's the only thing they did. They didn't change the type of tests or any other metrics. All they did was give the kids or start the kids an hour later. And and just that alone seemed to work better. You know, it's amazing to me, all of the things that we will change and all of the processes that we'll implement to try to get our kids to test better and score mm-hmm. higher and all. And one simple change by an hour, an hour or maybe two in their schedule more than likely would, would affect the entire thing. I wonder if it yeah. wouldn't affect dropout rate. It, well, that I don't know, but, but it might because if they're, if they're getting better grades, it's, it's, it's hard to know, but, success but it, and if it, they're not, it, yeah, it definitely paid off for, for, uh, for that and some other school systems that have adopted that since, since that became published, another a, a number of school systems around the country have have tried to make that work for them. It's not easy, you know, because you have to rearrange bus schedules and you have to flip uh, do, sometimes dozens of schools uh, start times, and that takes a lot of planning and coordination. But but it's doable, and the benefits are clear. I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it would keep kids off of the street longer. It would coincide better with parents' work schedules. I think there's so many benefits to it. And I'm so bummed that we're out of time because I really love talking about sleep and, and how it affects our kids. So <laughs> You and me both. <laughs> so thank you so much, Dr. Schoen, for sharing all of this awesome information with us. And when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to, oh my gosh, my next guest is uh, Mindy McNeil, and she's going to talk about how we can re- alleviate stress in our homes when we come back from this break. Thanks so much. Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Are you ready to start rocking that woohoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke, and empower you to bring out that 
inner woohoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc., and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation, welcome back to the show. Oh my God, Kelly, I'm such a sleep geek. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. It's ridiculous. And the doctor's going, wow, you've really done your homework. I'm like patting yeah. myself on the back, going, give me a ready, pillow. He was, about ready, <laughs> he, he was about ready to hire you. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> I, I, wanna, I want kids to sleep more. It's, that's, my, that's my stress reliever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's um, kind of exciting because that's what our, our next guest, Dr. Mindy McNeil, is talking about how to uh, alleviate family stress. She is she's the teacher of all things. She's kind of like a, a, a master of all things, kind of like me. You know, it's funny she's because mm-hmm. she's a teacher of health, special and elementary and collegiate education. She's a barber. She's a crafter. I'm not a crafter. I'm a beer crafter. Mm-hmm crafter of beers <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and she's a, a child and parent advocate and uh, a friend and a mom and she created hey you and uh, so she she does that she has products and things to help people with stress so dr mindy welcome to the show well thank you very much and i'm so excited to be on today with you and kelly <laughs> oh thanks Hi. We're so glad mm-hmm. to have you. It's kind of ironic because you have in your description, your bio, that you're a barber. Yes. I am a professional dog groomer. Oh. <laughs> well, you can't believe how many times I've groomed dogs, all right? Uh, I used to tell my sister, please, you know, this is not fair. I was trained to be a barber, but I still clipped a lot of dogs. We are. There is a little bit of a similarity there. Isn't that funny? It's, it's so great. When I put that on my bio, people are like, I'm not even going to say that. I'm like, you better. <laughs> well, you, like, you don't even know how many, how many, you know, when you, once you get up there in academia, it gets a little pompous and that kind of stuff. And how many, how many people I had tell me, take that off mm-hmm. and that, that it, it, no one would ever take me seriously if I kept that on my resume. And I was always like, are you kidding? I'm as proud of that as I am of any degree I ever got. I mean, exactly. and it saved me years and years when when we needed money. I could just go out and cut air. See? Exactly. Bring me your dog. I need 20 bucks. <laughs> Bring you me got, a standard yeah. poodle. I'm good to go. <laughs> you got it. It's so, my dad always says we will never my dad it, my dad and I is we are a lot like you Mindy we, and people always said we will never go broke 
because we have so many things that we can do that we will never go broke. So that's, I'm proud of that. I'm, you know, that's something that makes me happy and it takes a little bit of stress out of life. Well, it does. And it, it, you know, like I said, it also shows that, you know, as far as, as I'm concerned, it, it really shows a resourcefulness and, and kind of describes who you are as a person, especially when you pick up that trade and, and then do all these other things. It, it shows, I like to say, I'm, I'm very well-rounded. You know, I go. can work with my hands. I can work with my head. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. I love that. So what got you with all of these awesome things that you do, what, what brought that all together for, Hey, you tell us about that. Well, one of the things that the, the commonality, I think that runs through everything, all, all of my quote careers and those kind of things is basically I I'm, I'm a problem solver. You know, even when I was a barber, people wanted to, you know, they wanted to look a certain way. I had to solve that problem when, um, when I taught health and or taught special education, it was all about solving problems. So when I decided to retire from, from teaching, and I taught elementary school for over 20 years, when I decided to retire from that, I thought, well, you know, now let's help those parents, okay, because mm-hmm. I was bombarded with problems every conference, every phone call. I'm probably one of the only teachers in the world that gives their, gave their home phone number out. Because my theory was the calmer I could have the kids and the parents at home, the more they're going to be able to learn when they come the next day. And so all of those things together made me a problem solver. So then I decided, well, how, how can I help solve these problems at home? And um, for years they've been telling people, uh, parents of kids with ADHD, make a tape, be consistent. And I knew as a teacher, repetition music, all those things work. So I looked at those activities at home and thought, listen, the parents aren't making the tape. I'll make the tape for them, and I'll make it fun and funky, and we'll get them together and take some of that human emotion out of it. Um, Mm. And by doing that, I can alleviate some of the stress. I love that you say that, and it's kind of switching gears a little bit, but I'm noticing so much more uh, tragic news with parents and kids recently, like in the last year, and I can't help but think it's because they don't have the knowledge of how to take the emotion, the personal confrontation out of what's happening with their children. Is that... well? It, it, it's huge. It's huge, and um, you know because it's there. There's a there's a guy out, Tom, Dr. Thomas Spellen. He puts out this behavior program called One Two Three Magic. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yes. But he had. There's a couple of things he says in there that that I truly believe, and I, I don't mean this to be offensive, but children are animals and they need to be trained. Okay, that's mm-hmm. number one, and the second one is. When interacting with your child, um, one of the best things to learn is no talking, no emotion. So you know how when you ask your kid to do something and then it becomes this huge debate and then then um, people get emotional and mm-hmm. what, everything escalates? He says 
that you know you here's the expectation as, as soon as as long as they know what the expectation is then th- if you can take a lot of those things at home and make them this is just the expectation instead of having this debate everyone getting emotional um you can have a much calmer it, it can be much calmer at home and i know i used it with my kid and it was fantastic although as an adult now he says don't even put don't even say one two three to me mom don't even say it okay because (laughs) it it took that it took me away from that because Mm -hmm. I could be emotional I mean you're vested in it you you love this kid and um and and back the kid loves you and and at some level understands that he's dis- he or she's disappointed you. And so if we can do something about taking that out of there, taking that component out of there, then... The disappointment component? Take, not the disappointment, but, but, but if we take away that chance for, for emotions to escalate. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the problems I think that parents have is and a lot of people have in general is they don't understand that concept of you always love the child, but you hate the behavior. You can hate the behavior. Allow sure. yourself to. You can hate the behavior. And a lot of the parents, because when you get emotionally involved in something, you it, it comes out that you hate the child. You're, you're not, and that's how the child perceives it that right. the parent hates them versus the behavior. So um, that's something that I always talk to my parents about and try to teach my parents and, and teachers when I was teaching teachers that you can love every single child and you can hate a thousand behaviors. Mm-hmm. But as long as that kid knows that you love them, then everything else is solvable. Then you Do can you- handle it. Do you think that parents get more emotional the, today than they used to because their expectations are are unrealistic for the for their children? Well, I think we live in a society where we're asking we're asking a lot. We're asking these very busy parents to be involved at the same level. Say when I was a kid, my mom was home all the time, and you know we're asking these very busy parents to do everything, but but we're also our expectations. You know, I cringe when I hear the people say things like, "Who's your boyfriend?" You know, and the kid to five, mm-hmm. you know, "Who's your girlfriend?" That kind of thing. Our expectations for kids are out of this world right now. We mm-hmm. do not allow kids to be kids. And and the parents are some of the biggest people that, oh, isn't that so cute? I remember when I was cutting hair, God knows how many years ago, and they brought they brought a third grader in to get his hair cut for a date. I was like, are you crazy? A wow. date? You know? And so, yeah. and then you look at the academic, kindergartners are they're supposed to be reading novels now. I mean, whatever happened to circle time and... You know, sandboxes and that kind of stuff. You know what I find amazing? We we say parents are so much busier today 
to the point that you recently made. Parents are so much busier today. I remember when I had at least one parent home all the time when I was a kid and I was allowed to just be a kid. And so we kind of put all of this pressure and we we allow all of the offense to be on the parent. You know, oh my gosh, you're so much busier today than you ever were. So your stress level can be so much higher and we understand that. I think the thing that we fail to talk about, Dr. Mindy, is the fact that along with a parent not being home all the time becomes makes so much more responsibility for kids younger in the home to do those parent parental responsibility type things that that mom used to take care of. So, you know, if your mom was, if your mom was home, when you got home from school, she could make you a snack. She could make your bed while you were gone. She could do the dishes. She could, you know, make sure that the, your siblings were taken care of or whatever. Now we have third graders that are coming home to an empty house. They're expected to be able to cook for themselves, to start their own homework, to make sure certain chores are done, to get themselves to practices or whatever they have to do. We don't realize how much parental responsibility we're putting on children younger and younger because our parents are so much busier. So it's not just parental stress that's causing all of this imbalance in maturity. It's the amount of pressure that we're putting on our kids, too, don't you think? Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. I cringe. I mean, it's actually, I know in Pennsylvania, I'm pretty sure there's a law that says your child should not stay by themselves until they're 13. And I know it's actually 11. Is it 11? Mm -hmm. I thought it was, I thought it was higher than that because I remember, I do know that I made my son stay in daycare until he was. 13 and he was furious about it but because what the parents do are doing with this when we give these kids this kind of responsibility then then talk about stress imagine being home at nine and 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 there is a fire I mean Mm -hmm. there is this there is you know all the things that can come up when you're in a household and and we make those kids be responsible for that or responsible for siblings. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I had a lot of parents where I would say, you've got to get somebody in there. You know, you've got an 8-year-old and a, and a 12-year-old home after school for three hours. That's not fair. That's, that's not, you know, it, it's just not fair. It is. You're right. They're not letting them be kids. They're putting a lot more stress on them. I, was, I don't know. When I was when I was twelve years old, I was actually responsible for a, a one year old and an infant. Um, my mom started her family over again after she got remarried. So at twelve years old, I was I would be left alone for the weekend with a one year old and an infant, or a two year old and a one year old when I was thirteen, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can remember doing grocery shopping and all of those things. And people, my friends were like, are your parents on crack? Seriously? Like, <laughs> like who does yeah. that? Now it's commonplace. Now oh. that's the norm. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, and it's just the way society's evolving. I mean, you know, uh, that 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 everything starts younger. You know, they want their job. It used to be you had to be 16, okay? Well, now you can get work study and you can be out there at 14 and, you know, uh, all of those things. And, and I even see it in academics. 
oh, well, now let's take college courses in high school. You know, whatever happened to being in high school? Let's just be in high school. You know what I mean? I, yes. I and, and I spent a lot of my career in a very affluent school district where I would see kids spend their summers being tutored so that they could be three years above in math. Why? You know, I wasn't three years above in math, and I've got a doctorate. I mean, come on, give me a break. It's not like that's going to make you any smarter or anything that, that you're in a higher math level. So it, it, it scares me. It, it really, really scares me. And I know I have grandchildren now, and, and I worry. I worry about the amount of pressure and about um, the expectations that they have um, for them. And I know I was listening to before um, Dr. John Dr. and yeah. him talking about And it's funny because my company – is an IT company, which, if you knew me, is kind of strange, too, because I'm not one of those real handy people with um, electronics. But he was talking about sleep and, you know, kids um, and, and how electronics can interfere with that. And, and so here I put out an app, but one of the things, my app is to be used with a parent. It's not to be used independent. Um oh. That's so important. And that's one of the things I think, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. If one of the things that we have to get back, if we're going to reduce stress in our families and we're going to increase sleep and we're going to increase communication is to develop things that parents and kids have to do together. I can't believe we're at the end of our segment already. That seems like it went by way too fast. We're going to have to have you back on again, Dr. Mindy, so that we can talk about more stuff. But anyway, thank you so much for listening, Parent Nation. If you have any questions or want to join the conversation, join us on Facebook or check me out on my website, TaraKennedyKlein.com. Until next week, everybody, keep playing. Tara online at TaraKennedyKlein.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling?